So, uh, there's a, there is a very, very uh, hot-button issue going around the American mothering blogosphere. I don't know if you, if you follow such things. A book, but there's a book by a woman. Okay. No, no, come. There was a book by a, a, a woman who she wrote, she published an article in the Wall Street Journal, pushing her book, called The Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. Mm. Anybody hear this? I guess he will shut the door. No, The Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. I guess so. Right. And she starts by saying the following. She writes the following in the Wall Street Journal. A lot of people wonder how Chinese parents raise such stereotypically uh, successful kids. Yeah. Yes. They wonder, what do these parents do to produce so many math whizzes and music prodigies? What it's like inside the family, and whether they could do it too? Well, I can tell them, because I've done it. Here are some things my daughters, Sophia and Louisa, were never allowed to do. One, attend a sleepover. Two, have a play date. Three, be in a school play. Four, complain about not being in a school play. Five, Watch TV or play computer games. Six, choose their own extracurricular activities. Seven, get any grade less than an A. Eight, not be the number one student in every subject except gym and drama. Nine, play any instrument other than the piano or violin. And ten, not play the piano or violin. Except they, they go on, like, it's a great question, except they go on and say in the end that the kids are prodigies and the kids love playing the piano and the violin. That's what they say. She wrote a whole, now they're 14 and, no, now they're 14 and, now they're 14 and 16. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, like. I don't know, it's all what you're exposed to. Yeah. We spent shots at Kibbutz Lavi. And we went on a tour of the kibbutz, and, and on this tour were four yeshiva bachers who are here for the year, whose parents are providing everything for them. They've never had to work, they've never had to provide for anyone other than themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there being critical of the kibbutz life and saying how if they lived there, they would commit suicide, all this kind of stuff. And I can't help but wonder, like, what would the kibbutz kids be saying with their background and upbringing about these four spoiled boys? So it's all what you know. What you're exposed to is what you know. So how do they? How do the kids know that this is not necessarily appropriate? Yeah, I, I mean, it just this is like an extreme. It seems like, but this is like all the rage now. All the people are going crazy about how crazy this woman is. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, it sounds like it's off the deep end, but her. That's but, what they do. But she says that's what they do. The, it is what they do. Right. The parents will that say. Parents will say to the children. There were children, like, that's unacceptable. That, when, to get less than an A, to be less than the best is unacceptable. Yeah. You know, like all your friends. Yeah, that's because having worked with, say, Chinese people very closely, having had them as patients, yeah. you know, medical field. Like, there are, there are things in their culture and, and in their personalities we would not choose to have. Well, the, the, the question isn't, you could just say, well, that's their culture. Or you could say... No, I think that culture encourages, it's like it's a circle, like... Right? Right, that's definitely true, but then the, the, the question obviously we have to ask ourselves is, is this something that I should be doing? Well, we do it in every day. Do we? 
But do you say to your you say to your children? How many how many how many hours did you study already? How many hours did you learn? Did you learn to be shenayim yeah. pet? Did you? I, I will not be acceptable to me unless you know all of your homework by pet by heart. But no, nobody else does. I. Right. It's not acceptable for me that you don't dive in today. Correct. We did say it about you will dress in a certain way. Correct. So you're not going to go out. So meaning, meaning, while our, absolutely correct, while our first inclination is to say, wow, this seems really extreme. Why? Because it's in the context of play dates and music. It's something that we don't do. Do we really not? Do you, this is really no, something that we don't do. In the areas that we don't stress. Correct. Correct. Discipline and structure, expectations. Right. You know, you could put it down if you want. I mean, <laughs> okay. So, so that that's exactly what I want to examine today. The notion of what we call kfiyah. Kfiyah, the kfiyah datit is a hot button issue in Israeli society in general. What's kfiyah datit? Anybody know? What's the word? Religious coercion. Right. Kviyadatit is like, it's considered like the worst thing you could possibly do. Like, who are you to tell me what to do? Meaning, and, and it's in the context of who are those awful rabbis to tell the Israeli society what they can and can't do? Who did? Recently? But kviyadatit. They were talking about it in the book, like about the secular, like how they are with, anyway. Yeah. There was a letter in the Jerusalem Post this week. Yeah. Signed by over 300, I think, rabbi in Israel, a letter to Benjamin Netanyahu about land for peace. They object to it. They object to land for peace? Does that have to do with kviyadatit, though? It's more than women writing. I mean, rabbis, okay. It was all those rabbisons who were writing and saying, don't date Arab men. See, but they're not forcing. Wait a second. That's, that's not forcing. I personally agree with what they said. I hope so. To a group that doesn't aspire to those values, that's religious coercion. It all depends on what your perspective is. Something is coercion. I was an Arab. I heard a little comment on the radio. Yeah. The radio announcer said that all the things in Israel that aren't law. The Khiloni population do. So I would like to hear what the examples they were giving. Yeah. They gave mezuzah. Yeah. Um, Brit. Yeah. Uh, Tomanyom Kippur. Not all of them. That is law. No, not, not that sort. Chamed Pesach, Matzah and Pesach? No, they didn't give that. That's law. Right. In this country. It's only law for selling. It's not personal. Okay, but they're not going to mean it, but okay. it is so enshrined in the law. That the things that didn't come from an external force. Of course somebody's going to say that, but that's not true. It's not true. What about speeding? Is that enforced? Do people do it? So people don't abide because. So what we should do is we should really say anybody could drive as fast as they want because then people will drive the right speed. Yeah, right. Exactly. What? The the logic is the logic is a yeah. I don't know. Anyway, okay. So this this theme of uh, the idea of kfiyah, the idea of coercion, in contrast to the idea of giving you the choice, is a theme that obviously is extremely relevant to Matan Torah. Because 
what, what, what you, you would think that when the idea, when, we, when HaKadosh Baruch gave us the Torah, we're going to have one of these two choices. Did he ask us if we want it? Or did he force us to take it? Because of course, those two are opposite. If he's going to ask us if we want it, then we could obviously say no. And if he's going to force us to take it, then why bother asking us? But as we're going to see, it is not so clear. Not so clear at all. You know, and then obviously the question for us becomes a similar question. What about us for our children? Should we ask our children if they want it? Or should we force them? And, I, and similarly, we're going to see, the issue is not remotely clear. It's a, it's a, it's a tightrope. It's a balancing act. And uh, I, I submit that, I think that especially in the context of American society, I, I can only speak for America, Western society, which is so permissive and it's so about giving children choice and so about letting them express themselves and find themselves. And then you wonder, be, you know, you, you wonder wh- why, why society is... What's that? They're years old. Living at home, right? Having trouble finding themselves. It's, it's not a simple matter. You, want, you, you don't wonder. It's pretty obvious. So we're going to start. So obviously we're going to start with, we're going to discuss, read some of the descriptions of uh, the, the way the Torah was given. And I'm just going to do Chumash Rashi and Midrashim today. Okay? And, and see where the Midrash takes us. And it's going to take us in both directions. Turn to Yitro, Perak Yud Tet, chapter, chapter 19. Perak Yud Tet. I mean, she's really happy, Tammy, I know, but... Uh... <laughs> yes. What's that? Yes, yes, on Shavuot, we read from Yitro. That's nice. My wife and my daughter have the same birthday. Okay, Parakitet, Pasuk Aleph. Oh, wow, that's so cool. What? You and the same no. birthday? and my mother have the same birthday. My wife's oh. mother and her daughter have the same birthday. Wow, and that's recorded for posterity. Unbelievable. <laughs> On the third month, there's a chair behind in the, in the office. The state B'nai Yisrael, when the Jewish people left the land of Egypt, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit in because it's, I'm, I want to... I wanna, I want to, there's obviously so much to talk about, but we, we discussed this in years past. On that day, they came to Midbar Sinai. Vayisumir Fidim, Pasuk Bet, they traveled from Fidim, Vayavo Midbar Sinai, Vayachanu Midbar, they came to the Sinai Desert, and they encamped in the desert. Vayichan Sham Yisrael Negedahar, and the Jewish people encamped there, Negedahar, opposite the mountain. I mean, they, 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 uh, they camped at the mountain. And it's just, Impossible not to point out. It says Vayachanu Bamibar and then Vayichan. And just to, I'll just quote the Rashi. What is Vayichan in the singular? And he camped. Rashi says, and he camped Ishachad Belevechad. That there's this idea of the critical need for Jewish unity for the Jewish people to receive the Torah, if only. Okay, but Pasuk Gimel. Moshe Moshe went up to God. I mean, they're all at the mountain. Moshe says, "Bye, guys. I got to go talk to God." He went up to the to God. Vayikray Lav Hashem Minar God called from the mountain, saying. So you should see, say to the house of Yaakov, v'tageid, and instruct to Bnei Yisrael. Now, I guess I also can't resist pointing out, Beit Yaakov is who? Rashi says, the women. Beit Yaakov. Why you ever wonder why Beit Yaakov is always uh, a school for the women? So Rashi says that's the Nashim. Anyway, and the difference between Tomar and Tageid, Hashem talks nicely to the women and harshly to the men because women. Women listen and men need to be done partially. Okay. You saw that which I did to Mitzrayim. I have carried you on the wing of eagles, wings of eagles, and I brought you to here. Now we get to the part I wanted to focus on. And now. 
if you hearken to my voice, ushmartem et briti, and you guard my covenant, then, v'yitem li sigula mikol ha'amim kidi kol aretz. You shall be for me a sigula. What's a sigula? A treasure. You should be a treasure. We are am sigula. We're Hashem's treasured nation from all the nations. Ki li kol ha'aretz. Because the whole world is mine. Va'atem tihiyuli. This is a very important pasuk. And you shall be for me mamlechet kohanim v'goy kadosh. And you will be for me a nation of kohanim, a kingdom of priests, v'goy kadosh, and a holy nation. This is what you should tell the children of Israel. Okay? And I just want to point out if you hearken to my voice and you hear what I have to say, then what? It'll be great. What's missing? Right. <laughs> exactly right. And what's the answer? No. Right. You will be punished. Right. It's interesting. Exactly right. That's totally right. If you listen to my voice, then you would be treasure. And if you don't, understand. But it's not stated. Do you want to come You want to just uh, listen? No. Okay. And if not, you will, you will, you will get slammed. And we're gonna. And, but this is not something that that I'm making up. I mean, we say it every day. If you listen to my mitzvah, then you things will be great. And because if make sure you don't make mistakes, you don't deviate. Because if you do, I will slam you. You know what I'm saying? It, it's both sides. It's interesting to note, in this initial discussion, God doesn't mention the second side. Which I think is understandable, because you want to accentuate the positive sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's, we're at Har Sinai. And this is what you should tell the Jewish people. Vayavo Moshe... So, by the way, so what's Moshe going to tell the Jewish people? What, what's, what's he supposed to... What's he bringing to them, in, in our own words? Follow Hashem's mitzvot and you'll be close to Him. Be rewarded. Okay. Have a good life. Good. What and therefore, meaning, is this a? Be above the other nations. Let's so let's read on. Moshe called the elders of the nation. Place before them all of these things that God commanded. And the whole nation answered together and they said. Everything God said, we will do. And Moshe went back and he reported what the nation had said to God. So, in, so therefore, when I see this response, what did God want Moshe to present to the Jewish people? Meaning, from the response... What, was Mo, what did God tell Moshe to go do, to go present to them? It's like a contract. <coughs> What's a contract? What do you mean it's a contract? An understanding between two sides. Correct. An offer and an acceptance. Ah, right. that's what you mean. Yeah. Right. It's an offer. I Meaning it's a, it's a question. What's God saying to the Jewish people? Moshe, come on up. He's the, he's the like, intermediary. He's a mediator. Moshe, would you want, you know, do you ask the Jewish people, do they want this? What do the Jewish people say? We really do want it, right? And then Moshe goes back to God, presents the acceptance. Great, let's move on. He's like the lawyer. What? Sure. Of course it's conditional. 
Yeah, this yeah is but it's not conditional. I mean, there's an offer and there's acceptance and then there's consideration for the agreement. Consideration for the agreement. Okay, but it seems, seems pretty technical here, doesn't it? But they didn't... What, what does it give you, the impression? What, what impression does this all give you? That's right. Really does give you the impression there was a choice, right? Moshe says, to, God says to Moshe, "I've got these. This, oh, we're getting there. Here's the terms. That's exactly right. Here are the terms. What? Here are the terms. This is this is what you would. This is what I'd like you to do. Let's see what the people say. And the people say, you know, whatever God says, we're in. And Mo, and then Moshe like, and then Moshe brings back the words of 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 God to the people. A few interesting questions. There's an incongruity between Pasuk Zion and Pasuk Chet. Can you see the incongruity between Pasuk Zion and Pasuk Chet? Aren't you at the Chomesh? You want to... I got an extra. Okay. okay. Very good. And then... It doesn't say that he spoke to the people. And then it was Ha'am. It was at the people. Kol Ha'am Yachdav. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So how... I don't understand. How is he speaking to all the elders? And then how does everybody answer? It's very interesting, by the way. By the way, what's the famous, it's interesting also, when we say, when the Jewish people accepted the Torah, what did they say to God? Right. Not till next week. You'll notice, not only not till next week. Here it's just not a You want to see Naseh Ishma? Interestingly, look at Perak Chavdal, hold your place here, chapter 24, Pasuk Zayin. Oh, it's not in. What can I tell you? How come you didn't bring this one? You didn't bring this one. Uh, I brought this one today. Pasuk Zion. Okay. It's actually interesting. Okay. Look at Pasuk Gimel. Perek Kaf Dalit Pasuk Gimel. Pasuk 3. Vayavo Moshe vayisaper la'am et kol divrei Hashem. The eight kol mishpatim. Moshe came back and he told them everything God said and all the judge, the laws. Vayam kol ha'am, kol echad. They said in one voice, Vayamru, kol advarim asher diber Hashem. Naaseh. Said it again. Let's read on. Vayichtov Moshe kol diber Hashem. Moshe wrote it down. Vayishkein b'boker. Vayiben mizbeach tachat ahar and he built a mizbeach. Ushtem esay matzivah deshtem asashit Yisrael. Twelve altars. He sent the children, they offered offerings. He took half the blood and he placed it in, I don't know, utensils, I think, vessels or whatever. Right? And half he placed, he, he threw on the altar. He took the book and he read it to their ears. And then they said, So it's not like, it's not like the only they said, oh, the whole time it's, It's like, so, right, you know, right? Twice they said, And then afterwards they said, Yeah, we're going to get there in a second. The whole chronology is really, really difficult to know. I must say, it's very unclear what, when exactly everything happened. And I think it's unclear for a very obvious reason. The Torah makes it ambiguous. Yeah, also saying, like, kind of fast forward, like, he read them the whole book. Like, yeah. That must have... Then, well, he, it took him a while. <laughs> it took, <laughs> took a while. 
And uh, what's the difference? It, uh, it's hard to really know. What's the difference between Na'aseh and Na'aseh Benishma? Na'aseh Benishma, we always say, is like, we don't even need to know what it is. You know, whatever Hashem does, we will hear and we will do. And, and then, if we need to hear afterwards, we'll hear afterwards. Well, so then what does it mean, not say? Good. When it's good, it's very easy to do. But to obey, that means even when it's not good, you're still going to go forth and, and follow and, and do the things that aren't easy. Not seven Ishma. That's not seven Ishma. No, what's not say? Not they've just come sense. out of Mitzrayim and they're on this high and Hashem's done all this good for them. Of course, yeah, whatever He says, we'll do. Okay, very good. Fine. Fine. Uh, let's turn back to, uh, to Yitro. But I just think it's... it's Interesting to note that when we talk about Nasab and Ishma, it's not entirely accurate. Well, the Narim were the Narim, that's interesting. Also, the Narim were they were the 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 Kohanim at the time. Rashi says they were the Bechorim. I mean, the Bechorim were the ones who were the the Kohanim at at Har Sinai until everybody sinned until Ched Okay, but nonetheless, when you when you read the Torah, when you read this, the beginning of Har Sinai, it seems very clear that there is a deal going on. Moshe's brokering a deal that he, God really wants to know what the Jews say, and He wants to know what their response is going to be, and then they say fine, and Moshe even returns the like, you know Rashi comments. It's very interesting. Rashi says, "Vayashev Moshe et divrei ha'am." Okay. Look at Rashi on Pasuk Chet. And I'm going to go back to a couple of really interesting Midrashim. Rashi says, the next day, Moshe Rabbeinu, on the third day, returned back to God. Moshe brought up on the first day, came down on, the whatever, on that day or the next day, spoke to the elders, and then on the third day, Moshe went back. So what, how is Moshe answering our question? I'm on Rashi on Pasuk Chet. Yet Yudet Chet. So how is Rashi answering our question? First it was the elders, and now it's Yivrei Ha'am. So what happened in between? The elders had to go to the Am. Yeah, they all went to the Am, and they all told the Am about the deal. They consulted. They consulted. Isn't that interesting? Like, you know, what would you think the elders would do? Like, Moshe says to the elders, what do you want? Why did Moshe only go to the elders? Because they were the representatives. Well, we'll go to the whole nation. They have to uh, maybe convince the nation. What? Maybe they have to convince the nation. Really? What does that mean? Oh, exactly. Wait, wait, wait. Exactly what you just said. What does that mean? Just in case. <laughs> what? Just in case what? Because they're You don't even want to elders. say. You don't even want to say what the just in case is. <laughs> well, they want their respect to the elders. So whatever their opinion was. Well, it first has to be accepted by them. Yeah. yeah but Hold on one second, one second, one second. I saw this. It was a good deal. So they had to persuade. They had to persuade. Who, who, <laughs> who did they have to persuade? They had to present the facts. Uh, yes. And like a good, like a good. What, what do they call it where you come from? A good um, solicitor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> really? Is that, is that the impression no, that you also, got? Is that the impression that you got no, from the way the you were described? The, the the revelation on Mount Sinai no, when you were a kid. Al- the thing is that. The <laughs> <laughs> it was like yes, yes, yes. Maybe that's why uh, Nishma's not there. What? Maybe that's why the Nishma's not there. Okay. Because? Because they have to persuade them. Because so, the, have I have to, one second, I have also to... Just think about the mentality. They're, like, they're still with that slave mentality. So they're, you know what I mean? They're not... They don't know how to deal with free choice yet. Or Achaim. I saw it in Achaim. Did you hear what I said? To yes, you? yes, yes. They don't know how to make a choice yet. They don't know how to make a choice yet. So what you're saying is... They, need, they actually need 
need their consult, their, their consult sort of advice because they don't know. Well, they need the zikene. Here's what, here's what Rechaim says. Hine. How do you know where? Um, or, I mean, I'm not going to, it's on Pasuk Zion, the beginning of Pasuk Zion, Rechaim. Nitchakeh Moshe Rabbeinu alav ha-shalom ha-shlichuto. Moshe Rabbeinu was very smart to do in his shlichut. Ki yarev b'pachad levavo. He was afraid. Dilma te'era tekala b'davar. Perhaps his, perhaps his, something would go wrong with the message. This is the whole point of the whole world. Meaning, Moshe Rabbeinu, God says, go convince the people, go give it to the people. And what's Moshe afraid of? Uh, I'm not entirely sure that they're going to say yes. He can't take the risk. He can't take the risk. So whatever, what does he do? He called the Zikanim. This is exactly what he does. Okay? Elash, he says, Moshe Rabbeinu, really smart. He, was, he didn't speak to everybody until he brought the elders in. Right? And it made sense He didn't want everybody to get together. He didn't want the whole nation. He didn't want every yokel and every shmekel to start responding in the talkbacks. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, what is this don't steal thing? Who needs this? And like, really, do we want to get the elders involved? Get them all behind it? And then they go to their people, they convince the people, and then God Moshe can come back to God and say, oh God, we're all in! That's what happens with the tank over. <laughs> you get the board behind you. You persuade the board, and then the board persuade the shareholders. The board doesn't prepare the shit, swear, persuade the shareholders. The board is the, you know, like they represent right. the shareholders. They represent them, so it's sort of the It's connect. easier to convince a smaller group than, than a whole. You're using words that are totally foreign to me in the context of giving the Torah. <laughs> What, we're, you know what I'm saying? You're right. You have to convince them. You have to lobby them. We're going we're gonna to persuade them. Really? To get the Torah? Well, if you accept the ownership of the choice, then the obligation is higher. Versus if it was just put on you. And you say, I didn't choose this. I don't have to do this. But if they yes, you do. You have to. It's like saying, we don't have to go back to the, how you started. You have to take piano. Fine, I'll take piano, but you can't make me practice. Yes, I can. I can sit in the piano and pretend to practice. doesn't mean I'm taking ownership of it. If I choose to go to the piano lesson, okay. you said, I'm going to play. Okay. I'm going to take, I'm going I'm to... My daughter said this morning. What did she say this morning? You were here. Oh, what she said, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. Right. This is exactly what she said. I don't want to go to school. <laughs> and she loves school. She loves school. What do we say? We say am I going to say to her? Well, you would say that. <laughs> Sometimes you need a meaningful Excuse me. I would, but she was home last week. One Excuse day. me. She was home the week I don't want to go to school. I don't feel like going to school. So I didn't say. Do we, we say to her? I like going to work. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Honey, you like know, let's consider the pros and cons of learning in school. And, and you don't even like, you know, that you'll have your friends there and you can learn so much interesting things and you need school, school in order... School is not a choice. What? School is not a choice. No, it is not. What did you say? I asked her why not. She said, I don't know, I just feel like staying home. And then she just kind of like, on her own, got up and went. Like, I didn't even need to say anything she to her. She took it's not a choice. No, she did not. Why did you not say that to her? He had with her. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really get involved. I, no, I was, was, was in the other I didn't, I didn't, yeah. Why did you I not didn't say, even say anything? Have to say anything? Because 
she knows what's expected. expected. Exactly right. It's not an option. You don't ask her. Like, she's she's like, go to school. She's <laughs> she knew she didn't have to, but she knew she, she, knew, she knew she didn't have to, but she came to going on her own. Yes. So therefore, she's taking responsibility for what will happen yeah. in her day. She'll be more connected to her day than if she left the house feeling like forced to go. It, it, but then she may have made that decision, but in general, I don't know if you come to our house every morning. You don't feel like going to school. Cross the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and? School is not a choice. School is not a choice? Right. I think kind of what you're no, saying. No, I think like, I can see this, like, the paper tiger, whatever the name is, like, lady going, what in the world? <laughs> that would have happened in her house. No, it wouldn't. That's why oh, I have a piano. You have an extra hour of piano practice. That's right. You complain that if you, you don't complain, want to go to that's right. That's right. That's right. I, you know, okay, I but it sounds to me like what you were saying is like this is all very technical and like so when you think about people always say no to Bali Chuba, like, well why did you become religious? It's not like you can list reasons like like there was some kind of cause. like it's not it's not something so tangible. Like the, here we're talking about like kind of very tangible, like, oh well, okay, you're convincing them because A, B, and C. Like it's more of a an esoteric thing. It's also a process. I, I feel like that's what they're talking about, like it's a process. Like it's a process. It's, it's something that happens all the time. Something happens in a moment. Why do you make a commitment to something? I mean, because because something means something, but it doesn't necessarily mean something you can write down. Yeah, Let me ask you this: to what degree? To what degree? You see, we live in a we live in a world where where everyone has a right to choose to do whatever they want to do. So you have to choose this decision to have a lifestyle, a Jewish lifestyle to accept. But there's a accept. point in being about Shabbat, it's like that, that painful part where you realize that the emotions and the, you know, the beauty and everything that you were so drawn to in the beginning, now it's hard work. And you yes. have to actually make that decision that's for people that carry on being religious and those that kind of stay borderline and maybe drop it. Right. Because it comes a point where you're like, okay... You're going to have to do, and then maybe here, all you're doing is going to be really hard. Like, it's a process. And I feel like what you're reading to us is also a process. Like, you, as a Belgian you agree to do something, and then you, do, and you take on something more, and then you have something more, and then it comes a point where you're just like, I'm committed to the whole thing. What gets said, gets done. Can I ask you a question? And this is, an, I mean, is there something appealing about the fact that it really is not a choice? Meaning, of course, when you first get into it, it's, present, it's obviously a choice. You have the right to choose. God, it's so interesting, because God does not it give us a choice. Yeah, he doesn't give us a choice. Yeah, he didn't say, he doesn't say to each of us. In the beginning, in the beginning it, does not, it doesn't feel comfortable that it wasn't a choice, but when you get into it and you, and you take on more of the, the, if you don't do it, what can happen when you believe in that? Yes. Then the burden that it's not a choice is it, it, like, then it's not a burden, then it's not a choice. Interesting. Through the process, there's the discomfort. They don't believe in it. Yeah, who, who are choosing not to, so it's, it is a choice for them. You know? But are they choosing because are they aware and choosing not to? I mean, I think, I, I wonder sometimes, is, you know, in the in the, in the, in the cure of movement. What? They want to Right. I, I think sometimes in the cure of movement, we don't yeah. enough Stress. assert that. Well, I do this because I'm commanded to do it. Because I believe that we don't have a choice. Does it? What? Right, and it's in the culture in which we live, where everything is up to me. I know, I know better than God, in a sense. We don't want to say something. I mean, at the risk of sounding not PC, talking. Go for it. 
Well, is it by coincidence that Haredim are much better at Kiruv than we are? <coughs> right. Much, much better. But also, I think that the choice is taken out. I don't know, this is just personal experience, but, and it, I guess it's very personal, but the whole, like, when you get married and you're then dealing with needle laws, like, that, that whole thing, there is no choice. Like, you... Of course you have a choice. Everybody's a choice. No, but I mean, in terms of if you're going to keep it or not. Like if, if well, I don't understand. Like, why is it any less of a choice? I mean, it's very well, I mean, significant. I mean, in a sense, like you find a rabbi who says what it is, and that's what it is. Yeah. If you want to call him, if you're interested. No, that's, that's the choice, but then after that, there's no choice. No, but then you're also still choosing which rabbi to call. Interesting. Uh, all right, very good. So let's be the Mish. I want to be the Midrash about Kol Asher Dibar Hashem Na'aseh. Okay? Kol Asher Dibar Hashem Na'aseh. So the, the Midrash puts this in the context of the following. It says the following. Af al Yisrael, even though the Jewish people said, Kol asher diber Hashem na'aseh, everything that we said, God, we're in. Galui v'yadua yalifne ha'kadosh baruchu. God knew. Shehem memaharim la'amir kvodo b'kalon ha'egel. God knew that in less than a month and a half, no, less than a month, in, in a matter of days, they're going to worship the ego. No, yeah, in a month and a half. Forty days later, they're going to, like, and they, like, it's interesting, God is like, do you want it? Yes, we want it! And, of course, the God of knows the future, and, and he knows. Maybe he knows the future, and he knows human nature. I don't know. Okay. So, therefore, it says, so, Valama Natsi says, why did you give them the Torah? Amar Lahem, he says, okay, you think I'm going to give it for nothing? Okay, I'll give you the Torah. You guys need Arevim, co-signers. I want, I want somebody to vouch for you. So he says, so they, so I, I'm just going to paraphrase the Midrash. The Midrash says, so he says, uh, they said to him, how about the Avot? And God said, no, no, the Avot aren't good enough. Right? Avot, Mitzvah, Yaakov are not good enough. Why? He says, one second, like they weren't 100% with me. You know what I'm saying? Like they had problems, they had questions. He says, I want more. Amr Yisrael. I'm skipping to the end of the Midrash. In Cain, Nivienu. How about the prophets? God says, nope, not good enough. Amr Yisrael, Harei Banenu Arevimo. Okay, we will hold up our children as collateral. God says, Amalem HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay. Vadai Arevim Tovim. I'll give it to you for your children as collateral. What does that mean as collateral? That your children are collateral. So there's another Midrash of the same. Midrash are very interesting because there's always different versions of the same Midrash. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you always have different, different teachings. It was oral teachings. So they became sort of, they become very, very uh, pliable. That different Rabbanim use it in different contexts. Okay? Remember we said this idea of God said all the good. What about the bad? If you don't keep the Torah, You'll, I'm, I'm going to hold you responsible. Okay? And the Jewish people said, no problem, we'll take it. Okay? So they said, so what are your, what are your, what are your, who's going to take responsibility? Okay? When the Jewish people were a mevatel, they don't keep the Torah. Who does God hold responsible? The children. When they keep the Torah, right? The fika, I'm really just skipping between midrashim. 
צריך אדם להכניס בנו לתורה ולחנכו, בתורה ובלימוד שיאריך ימים בעולם. God says our responsibility is by sending our children to school. What do you, it's like, you know, it's a heavy responsibility. It's not, it's, they, they accept it, it's a deal. Okay, but on, on whose authority? What are, you, what are you holding as collateral? Says God, Jewish people said, well, hold up, we'll put our children up for collateral. Very good, let's move on. And it's a little frightening, isn't it? It's a little bit, uh, we made the deal. Pasuk, let's go back to Pasuk, we're in Pasuk Tet now. Vayomer Hashem el Moshe. Okay? Moshe came back to God. The deal is on. Somehow he convinced the elders to convince all the people. Everybody's in. I'm going to come in the thickness of the clouds so the nation will hear. So Moshe spoke to say the words of God to Hashem. Right? It's like interesting. Like you wonder, why does God need to hear what the people said? Isn't that interesting? Like, you would think that if Moshe talks to the people and the people talk back to Moshe and say, we're in, right? So who's also going to hear? Sure. Right, so does Moshe... So Rashi says that, that it's a Derek Eretz thing. That God asks a question, so Moshe Bermenu comes back with an answer. It's just interesting. I always see it, Moshe is the intermediary. Moshe is the... The broker. He's the broker of the deal. Bring them this, come back to me. Moshe comes back to God. It's a deal. It's a transaction. Go sanctify today and tomorrow. We're going to skip a little bit. Skip to Pasuk Tet Zayin. Except I don't think it really is a deal. No? Because Hashem's got the upper hand. <laughs> yeah, one second. Pasuk Tet Zayin. You're not kidding. What do you mean the upper hand? The mountain. Yeah, the mountain. I have to see it inside. I have to see it inside. On the third day, Bihiyot. It's like inside of trading. He knows exactly what's going on in their heads and what they're going to decide. 100 percent. Let me just articulate the question, and we'll see if we can figure out an answer. Vahi b'yomash lishi b'yodaboker in the morning of the third day, vahi kolot ubrakim. Right, sounds and the thunder and lightning. Literally, thunder and lightning. The anan kaved al hahar. You know, like have you ever? We've all been at one point or another in the middle of a thunderstorm, so powerful that you just have to stop. And just you just listen and you watch, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just. I remember we were in, in Washington on a, on a, during the summertime, and Washington D.C. gets unbelievable thunderstorms. Unbelievable. One morning it was just the five o'clock in the morning. You just woke up. It was so powerful. Woke you up, and you just kind of listened to the rain. What? That still hasn't helped him. No, no, yeah, whatever. Okay. What? We had a thunderstorm on on Friday night. It wasn't so. Uh, yeah. Okay. Every Friday night we seem to have. Yeah, Okay. Okay. Now you can imagine the the mountain is like literally, literally shaking. So if I were you, like, what would you do? Get the heck away from the mountain. Moshe says. Go to the mountain! You're looking at Moshe saying, What? <laughs> you gotta be nuts, you know. But no, go, it's fine. This is very, very famous. He says, go, he says, come. Right? He, but, you know, and they stood. Tachtit, 
in the context, who has an English? It means they translate it as at the foot of the mountain, right? What? How do they translate it? Under the mountain, the squirrel says? Right, what, is the, what does the accurate translation say? You know what I'm saying? At the bottom of the mountain. That's more, at the bottom of the mountain means at the foot of the mountain, okay? How does he translate it? What is, I don't even know who that guy is, Rabbi. Where are you? You're at the end of Pasuk Yudzai, 17. Pasuk 17, and they stood... The nether part. At the nether part of the mountain. <laughs> 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 oh, that's very good because that's the bottom. Right, what is tachtit? Correct. Obviously, though, so the Midrash picks up on exactly, exactly this point. What is the tachtit of the har? What should it say? Vayit yatsavu. Lit means to stand up. So, very famous Rashi. Rashi says, look at your Zion. Very important, very important Rashi. You've all heard of it, but you should see it inside. And it's a Gemara as well in Shabbat on uh, Pei something, Pei Ched, I think. Likrat ha-ha-alokim magid she-shechina yatsa likratam ke-chatan ha-yotze likrat kala. So nice. Isn't that like such a beautiful image? Like, and by the way, that's why we tell the chatan when the kala comes out, the chatan should leave the chupa and greet his kala and enter into the kala. So on the one hand, you have this beautiful, beautiful image of the chatan and the kala, the marriage, the love, the connection. la di Okay, right? One second. It's in the same pasuk. The next, Rashi. The fip shuto simply means beraglehahar. Of course, but what's the problem? So he said, Ragle You always have to be sensitive. You guys are really getting good. Umidrasho, but the Midrash says, Shinitlas Hahar Mikoma Bimkomo. The mountain was literally uprooted. Vinikva Lehem Kigigit. Do you know what the word Gigit means? A cask. A beer barrel. What does it mean? He took, like you can imagine, like imagine a big guy in a bar fight, and he's so angry, he takes the, the wood thing and he says, I'm gonna. Hold. Oh, I don't know. Is that before the, you know, the different life, right? <laughs> okay, this is a very, very famous, right? Very, very famous, very, it's, it's like important in Jewish literacy. Kafa alehem har kigigit. Right? That God hold the mountain over him, over them like a barrel. Like a, like a cask. I'll read you in the Midrash. It says the Midrash, it's a mechilta, it's, it's a Gemara, it's everywhere, okay? It's a very, it's, it is a part of Part of critical Jewish, uh, you know, background knowledge. God held the mountain over them like a like a barrel. And he said, If you accept the Torah, great. And if not, you will die here now. <laughs> the husband is a chuppah and he goes out to the kalah and he puts a gun at her and he says, do you accept or not? Will you marry me, dear? <coughs> Such a great wedding. You <laughs> can't imagine being at that wedding. So, you know, like... I mean, obviously with the man, you're assuming it's a physical death, but is it more of a spiritual death? Like, no, it doesn't sound like That's not the imagery the Midrash right. points, is it? Even if it's just a physical death, 
Yes. And then they say, no, we're not so interested. Correct. What's going to happen? He's going to just leave But them. everything that we learned last week about the pain of the water, and we talked about this whole thing about the water and the thirst, and that, that was the lesson. What was the lesson? And the man also. We didn't do the man last week, but that's the lesson. What's the lesson? Right? You know, I, I am God, your healer. Right? Remember how thirsty you were? How, like, you know, what it's like to be without water? If you listen to the Torah, you'll have water. If you don't listen to the Torah, no water. If you listen to the Torah, you have man. You don't listen to the Torah, you starve to death. Hey, hey, I have an idea. I just thought of this great business deal. Are you guys interested? <laughs> so this only, I mean, uh, so this only raises the question. But all it does, fine. I have no problem with God saying. With God saying, by the way, I just all I want you all to know, and God says this almost explicitly. I want you all to know, I, I, I took you out of Egypt for a reason. I didn't take you out of Egypt just to like set you free. I took you out of Egypt to be the Am Anipchar. This is the Torah. Here you go. This is it. I'm not. I'm not giving you a choice. Like, and, and, and like you know the whole thing about the school. I like. No, it's not a choice. So the, the obvious question that we have to face is. For, this is all midrash, correct? This is all drush. It's not explicit in the in the words. If you look at the words, how is it presented? I mean, if you look at the text, the pshat of Tukim, how is it presented? It's presented totally as a choice. Here, God said this, and do you want it? And Moshe went to the Sekinim, and they said yes. Na'asevinishma, and the Torah, and the mountain, and the the clouds, and it's so nice. I mean, in the pshat, it's one thing. But in the understanding, when you really think about it, it's something totally different. So why not just say, say it like it is. No choice. God, Vayarem Hashem et Tahar, right? And God said to them, take it, or goodbye. Is it like Brother Atat says when you say to your kid, you can go to bed now or in like two minutes? <laughs> right, exactly. I give you a choice. Right. <laughs> would, you, would you like to clean up your room right now? Or would you to clean up the basement right now? <laughs> right. But in a certain sense, it's the chesed also. Because when you take the choice out of it, and it's something you just have to do, it's the external obligation. It's like, I'm doing this because I have to do it. And, and you don't have to come up with a gazillion reasons. God told me I have to do it. I'm doing it. Again, but then you don't, uh, that, that raises the question again. So then why give the choice? Once I, let me finish. I have to finish the midrash. Okay. The Midrash says, I never saw this version of the Midrash, so interesting. But at that moment, they're like one guy, they're like, they're under, they're, 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 they got a gun pointed at them, really. They all started crying. And they all did tshuva. This is going to shock you. One second. Whatever you say, God. Nasevenishma. It was like a nice little song. Says the What was Nasevenishma? Why did they say Nasevenishma? They were completely reduced to when they were forced with, with a mountain over their head. They said Nasevenishma. Very different. I'm sorry to shatter your image of Nasevenishma. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Naaseh. When did they say Naaseh? Before they were. Before they were forced. When God forces them, what do they say? Okay, not seven Ishmael. 
What? Whatever you want. Whatever. whatever. What? <laughs> you know? It also says they did tshuva. So yeah, they realized right. they made a mistake. Correct. <laughs> Correct. It wasn't just that there were four. Correct. Okay. The Midrash says, right, that the, the heart, the mountain was trembling. Okay? The mountain was trembling. So why was the mountain trembling? It's, not only is the mountain trembling, I'm sure you've heard this Midrash. The Midrash says that the experience of, of Matan Torah was so overpowering that literally their souls left them. Says the Midrash. So therefore, okay, one second. Amar Rabbi Rabbi Levi says, But God didn't know that, like, that they couldn't stand the godliness, that it would kill them literally. God didn't know. He says they did know. But he wanted to warn them that when they did Avodah Zarah, when they worshipped idols later on, they would never say they didn't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like to instill in them, literally, the fear of God. So we have that midrash on the one hand, and then there's another midrash. I said there's another midrash. What's the other midrash? And you're all familiar with this midrash as well. The midrash says that when God wanted to give the Torah to the Jewish people, He didn't only go to the Jewish people. Rather, He went to all the other nations of the world. There's a very, very famous midrash, okay, in Sifrei. There's another midrash, and the midrash says they went to all the nations of the world. He said, "Do you want the Torah?" So He went to the He went to the He says the MRE or whatever. He says, he went to the Bnei Ammon and Moab, and he says, you want the Torah? And they said, well, what they say? What's in it? And God said, it says, no adultery. No adultery. And they say, no adultery? Can't do that. <laughs> he went to the sons of Esau, and he says, what's in it? Mishmael. And he says, what does it say? Lotignov. Lotignov? Can't do it. And then he went to the Jewish people. Right? There was no nation that wanted to receive the Torah. Until without conditions. So, like, what do you want from me? Which one is it? Is it the mountain? Is it the what? Now, like, when we're so many years removed, or, or not removed, but so many years distant from Har Sinai, and the other nations are looking at us and going, "Why, why are you so special?" We can turn around and say, "Hey, God gave you the choice. You said no." It's the same idea that it's not in the but you, but that did, didn't give us the choice in the end. I didn't have the it choice. Takes away the meaning of the song. Yeah, you should just know the, the, this is also a theme in Purim. There's a very important theme in Purim. It says later on, it says in Megillah Esther, it says Kimu Kimu Hayyudim and Kol Adavarim. And the Midrash Gemara says the, the 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 next piece in the Gemara in Shabbat that after Habkafalem Harki Gigit about the barrel says Kimu Mashikiblu Kvar. The Jewish people at at the time of Esther willfully accepted the Torah that they had been forced to receive before. So there is a notion of, co- of coercion, and we accepted it later on. That's one thing you should yeah, just know. Again, forced. No, but after they were saved, the Midrash says, after, after, after they were already saved. Yeah, Kim Didn't he already promise the Right. So we're, we're you're on that. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's, uh, that's exactly the point. We're we're stuck between this. Thank you. We're stuck between this uh, with this dichotomy of choice, not choice, forced, not forced. So so, I think that the answer is yes. I think that 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 this is this is uh, a dual theme that we that we that we vacillate between. On the one hand, what? What was the question that you said? 
Yes. So you know what I'm saying? Right. We would get it, but then we have to choose it. You know what I'm saying? There is on the one hand a level of choice, but then on the other hand, there's a level of, of coercion. Which comes first? Coercion or choice? No. No, never. Coercion comes first. Even in the Torah, which came first? Only to you. What got to start? It's interesting. This all got me thinking yesterday. I was reading Olam Katan, a very interesting thing about the Lubavitcher Rebbe and the Babasali. I don't know why. Okay? So he, he was talking about this idea of kfiyah. Okay? He says that the Lubavitcher Rebbe sent a letter to the Babasali. Apparently, they were very close. He sent a letter to, he says, Babasali was deciding should he move from Morocco to Israel or not. So he says, so the, the Babasali Rebbe, he went a couple of times. I never knew this. The Babasali came a couple of times to Israel and he was very turned off by the religious scene. So he came to, and the, finally the third time, the Babasali Rebbe wrote him and said, Chovat Hasha'a. Chovat Hasha'a. The obligation is, Lichvosh Biyadak Chazaka. To conquer with your strong hand. It kol ha'dor ha'tzair. This young generation. And then he writes, interestingly, he says this idea of fiyadatit is all in, 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 in popular culture today is only negative. He said he was once in with a Jew. He says the following. He says, he's barely, he said to me, he voted for Shas, even though he's not sure of mitzvot. Why do you vote for Shas, even though he's not sure of mitzvot? Because he wants religious coercion. Why? If they close the pub on Friday night, then I'll stay home and make kiddush like I really want. But if the pub is open, then I'm going to the bar. There's a concept. Wait, 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 wait. There's a concept. I, I mentioned this to you before, Arena. There's a yeah. There's a concept. There's a, we all do this for ourselves. We put ourselves in, in structures in which we condition ourselves. We force ourselves. Meaning, what, what's the whole kunz of Weight Watchers? It's not that they give you the diet. The kunz of Weight Watchers is... Somebody else. No. You pay. I'm paying money for this. That's the whole kunz. And I, like, I, I, I you know, there's a, if it's a value to me, if I, if, if I put myself... There's a concept in the Rambam. The Rambam says the following. What if a woman doesn't give... A husband doesn't want to give a get to his wife? That's right. Meaning, but it has to be. It was like it has to. But there's a there's a concept because it has to be willful. You cannot force somebody to give a get because if it's forced, then it's not. But not Tan. He didn't give it to her. So the Rambam says, Kofinoto, you you beat him silly at Yoma Rotsani until I until he wants to. He says I want to. And the Rambam says why? Because psychologically, deep down, we believe that the mitzvah that God gave us, the Torah God gave us, is for our benefit. So if I, for whatever reason, I temporarily don't want to fulfill a commandment, right? It's a, it's a mishigas. It's a temporary insanity. So therefore, to beat somebody, to coerce somebody to do something, is to really give them, to force them to do the right thing in the end. Let's bring this full circle back to us. So therefore, Kadosh initially forces us. But he wants to give us a choice because there's an idea of shalalishma. But then the, the, the higher level is to see the beauty and the wisdom and to make it lishma. Now, I know I have to do it. But what do we really want? Do we want our children to clean their rooms because I forced them to? Or do we want them to clean the rooms because, because in reality, there's a beauty and a benefit to having a clean room, to having order in your life, to knowing where your clothes go, to having clean things, to be misudar. 
Like, now, to be brutally honest, what's the odds of our nine-year-old saying, oh, I see the wisdom in Seder, and I see the wisdom in order and cleanliness. Yeah, very rarely, very rarely. Pretty much always, you know what I'm saying? My grandfather, I remember, it's so interesting. I remember this like I, I remember this like it was yesterday. I was once like my grandfather came to visit, and you know, like it was always the fight about putting your pants away. You know what I'm saying? And my grandfather, we were going to sleep. My Zeta from Florida, we're going to sleep, and he says, he said to me in his you know Polish European accent, he says, I always put my clothing away the night before because then I know it will be for the next day. And it just like clicked with me. Your parents probably said that to you a million times. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Like it clicked with me. It just clicked. And like, it was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But most people are like, you know what I'm saying? And we're all like that to some degree in some things and not other things. Like some people get up early because they want to get up early because they know, you know, it's really a good idea to get up early and other people want to sleep. You know, and they want to get up early, but it's hard to overcome. You know, like, and like I said, you say this in education, you see it all the time. Kids love teachers. During the year, kids love teachers that don't make them do homework. They love teachers that the class is just fun. But the year is over I mean, especially as they get older in high school. The year is over. The teacher they love during the year, they hate afterwards. We wasted a year. What a stupid, what a stupid class. And the teacher they hated during the year, if they feel like they really learned something, they accomplished something, they appreciate later on. They always appreciate it. And that's like unfair to the teacher because who wants to be the person you hate? But your job is to be the person you hate because your job is to educate. Your job is not to be a friend. Same too with the parents. The same, same thing. Right? Right? My job is not... So obviously I think the tiger or whatever, the Chinese lady, I mean, you always, you always have to work within the framework of the, of the culture in which you live. She maybe could get away with it because she lived within the bubble of Chinese culture, but I doubt it. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're, all the other kids don't have, don't have this. And all the kids, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I'll, I'll show it to you afterwards. I'll show it to you afterwards. All the other kids, you know, if, we, if you, you can only push so hard. But kvia, coercion, comes first. You know, we don't ask. Right? You do it because you have to. And then you hope over time that when it becomes in- in- inculcated, then we talk shalolishma, But we're not friends. You know, we're, not, we're not lawyers. We're not solicitors. We don't broker a deal. You know, kafalem harkigigit is the model. And then you hope that it comes to nasevenishma. Because really we understand when you come to appreciate and understand, like, then you overcome your initial Yetzirah of not wanting, you do the hard work and you see the beauty, and then hopefully they'll want it on their own. And I think that's something that, you know, like, it's obviously a balance, clearly, and I think I like the beauty of this balance. You know, the balance actually manifests itself at the very end in the, the Jewish people after the Matan Torah. I'll just, I'll just show you the Pasuk, because the Pasuk, it, it, it so beautifully articulates this dichotomy. It's a pair of kaf, pasuk yud zayin. Afterwards, they come to motion and they say, we can't take it. You know, the, these, these Ten Commandment things, they only got through two of them from God. They said, you know what? God will say his piece, you say it. So Moshe says, Vayom Moshe el ha'am, al tirao, don't be afraid. Ki, l'ba'avur nasot etchem ba'alohim. God came to you, l'nasot etchem, to lift you up, to raise you up. And also so that your fear will be on you so that you not sin. God wants two things. On the one hand, He wants to lift you up and raise you to the greatest heights. But He also knows He needs to instill the fear of God in you. Right? What, what's ideal? For you to want it because it's right. But if you don't want it because it's right, do it because you have to. Do it because you have to.
That's right. The forest and the choice. It's all a balance, but there is a balance. And don't feel bad. When you force your children, that's the right thing to do. All right, we'll stop here.